right, amen. So tonight, Psalms, I believe is 40, is going to be our Psalms. If you'd like to read it tonight, you're sure welcome to do so. And uh, all those who would want to do that, get in line. All right. Chapter, chapter, I mean, verse 41, yes, chapter 41. All right, so there's 13 verses there. Let's read verse, let's read 40, 42 as well. Just read all of 41, okay? It's only 11, 13 verses. It's Thanksgiving anyway. <laughs> blessed, is, blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Mine enemies speak evil of me. When shall he die and his name perish? And if he come to see me, he speaketh vanity. His heart gathereth iniquity to itself. When he goeth abroad, he telleth it. All that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. An evil disease, say they, cleaveth fast unto him. And now that he lieth, he shall rise up no more. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and rise, raise me up, that I may requit them. By this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. Yes. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity, and settest me before thy face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to ev and to everlasting. Amen and amen. Yes, amen. Psalm 42, as the heart panted after the water brooks, so panted my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast, da cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. Who is the health of my countenance and my God? You might have some good verses in there in those chapter two chapters. All right, let's turn to First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five, and look there in verse sixteen. And uh, tonight we'll read down to verse twenty-three. And uh, I want to preach tonight, or begin to preach. I won't finish it. I know. Uh, maybe on Sunday night I will, but. I'm going to preach on seven ingredients to perfection. Seven ingredients to imperfection. You know, sometimes that gives us a help whenever you start putting out steps, like three steps or four steps or eight steps or 100 steps. But three ingredients. And the reason I use the word ingredients is it's going to take all seven of these within as you're going to make a cake or something of that nature, and you got ingredients. And so you got to have all the ingredients in order for that cake to taste like it ought to taste, right? So here, 
begin. Here's the first seven ingredients. Verse 16, rejoice evermore. And so as you read the scripture tonight, you're going to see like they're one sentences. They're one phrase. They're they're, they're not, they're, they're separated. Each verse is separated unto itself. So we see in chapter uh, one, chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 16, rejoice evermore. And it would be good tonight as, I know I'm going to try to keep on reading, but for us to remember tonight, can we remember that? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, rejoice evermore. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Maybe we can, re- maybe we can remember that tonight. Number two. Pray without ceasing. Number three, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Number four, quench not the spirit. Number five, despise not prophesies. Number six, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Number seven, abstain from all appearance of evil. And then this is what happens. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you here tonight for the word of God. And, Father, the truth that's been already spoken by the way of Psalms and then here in the Thessalonians. And, God, we're asking for the help of the Lord. Father, we're not concerned tonight, dear God, about who's here and who's not here. We are concerned about whether you're here. And so we're asking tonight, Lord, that you'd, uh, as you already have, would you'd continue with us and, Lord, should move within our hearts and our souls. And, and Father, I pray that you'd help us to bring forth the understanding of God's word. We're, we're not here just to pass time. We're not here just to get through this night. We're not here, God, because of uh, just another time that we have a church. God, we're here to learn. We're here to grow. God, we're here to worship. God, we're here to be more like Jesus. And God, we're here tonight, Lord, to, to know your word in a better way. Father, we want to be at to that place of perfection. Uh, Lord, we know that doesn't mean sinlessness. But God, we do want the word to be, com- we want to be complete. We want to be whole in Jesus tonight. Lord, we ask you to help us to get there in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So there in verse 23 is where we're going to start because that's where we're going to end uh, there. This is tonight uh, one of the greatest verses of all time of all scripture in chapters of any chapter is in verse 23. And we'll read it again. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray God your whole spirit your soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, th- there's three things within that verse 23 that I want to say before we get to the ingredients of, of this perfection. Is I want to say, number one, the expectation of a Christian. The expectation of a Christian tonight is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone that's a Christian tonight, that ought to be your expectation. You ought to be expecting him to come tonight, expecting him to come. If he doesn't come tonight, he'll come in the morning. If he doesn't come in the morning, he'll come tomorrow. If he doesn't come tomorrow, he'll come the next day. Every single day of our lives, we ought to be looking for our blessed hope. The expectation tonight is Jesus is coming, the Lord's coming. That is what you and I live upon. That's what you and I expect now there's other things in life of expectation and hopes and and we and we bring those into our lives we really do because we're just human but the greatest and ultimate expectation that you and I have is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight the expectation of his coming means that his personal return uh, of God the Bible says that we're looking for the coming of our Lord So that's why I use the word Christians tonight, the expectation of the Christians, because it says our Lord. In other words, it's just not my Lord, it's just not your Lord, it's our Lord. Together as Christianity, today as Christians tonight, we are looking for the very personal return of God. Him personally coming. Not sending an angel, not sending a seraphim, 
not sending someone else in his place, not sending someone today that would be a representation of him, but personally. God is coming personally, and he's coming personally uh, for us tonight. Amen? In his return, it's a personal return of the Lord. The word Lord there means supreme in authority, means control of everything. It means master by ownership. And so that's none other than God. No other, no other can be described as one who's the supreme authority, controller, or the one who's a master of by ownership except God himself. Amen? And so we are looking not for just somebody. We're looking for God. We're looking for God's return. That's the expectation we have is that God's personal return of himself for us. Amen? Number two, I know it's not as his personal return of God, which is the Lord, but his physical return of the Savior. The word Savior means Jesus, the Savior of mankind, the Redeemer of mankind, the Justifier of mankind. And so we're not only looking for the Lord and his coming, but we're looking for Jesus at his coming, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Justifier, the one that we can put our eyes upon, the one that we can put our hands on, the ones that we can put our lips upon, the one that we can uh, look to, and the one that we can finally say, Jesus who saved my soul, Jesus who redeemed my soul, the one who redeemed me from sin, the one who justified me from all iniquity, I finally get to see him. It will be a personal return, but it will be as well as we look tonight as a physical return. He's physically coming back. He's physically going to come, and he's physically, we're going to be for him. It's not some imagination tonight. It's not just some spiritual movement. It's not just some uh, exaggeration tonight. We're going to see Jesus physically, amen, and his coming back will be personal, it will be physical, but it will be practical. We'll see Christ. Christ meaning the anointed one, the appointed one, the approved one. Christ the Messiah. It will be practical. It will not be something tonight that will be uh, that we hope to or that we might. No, it's going to be we will. It's practical. We will practically see Jesus. We will personally see Jesus. We will physically see Jesus. Tonight, that is the expectation of every child of God. There is no doubt of any kind in the child of God tonight that the same Jesus who left is the same Jesus who's coming back. And we don't have a verse for that tonight, Acts chapter 1 and verse 11 which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, the same Jesus, the same Jesus that died on the cross of Calvary was buried in a cold grave, and he, he died on the third day, and he arose on the third day, he died and he rose on the third day. And we find that same Jesus, not a different Jesus, but that same Jesus, the Bible says, that up from you into heaven shall also make same manner as you have seen him go up come down from heaven and so tonight we can just be rest assured in our hearts that the expectation of every christian tonight is jesus christ and his coming is that your expectation number two now i notice the expectation of the christian in that verse 23 but i notice the ambition of the christian the ambition the ambition is this tonight that when he comes will be blameless. Right? Isn't that the ambition? Isn't that your desire? Isn't that tonight the very goal that you have? If Jesus came tonight, he'll, came, he'll come and I'm blameless. You don't want to get caught in blame. You don't know when he's coming. You don't know the day. You don't know the hour. You don't know at all of what time and what hour and what second it may be. But one day he's coming back. And my desire and your desire are to be as a Christian that when Jesus comes, I'm blameless. Amen? So we find the ambition of the Christian is being blameless. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15 says this, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights into the world, 
tonight what Jesus would expect us to be when he comes. And he's going to come in a crooked, and he's going to come in a nation that's perverse. Amen. We know that already. In America in which we live is crooked and perverse. And when Jesus comes, he's going to come in that state of that time, of that, uh, of that mind, and you and I are going to have to be blameless in a perverse and crooked nation. We can't say tonight that we're going to have to go to a nation someplace where it's good in order for us to be blameless. We're going to have to go to the country. We're going to have to go to the desert. We're going to have to go to the hills. We're going to have to get out of the city. We're going to have to go places where there's no crime, there's no ugliness, no drugs, no alcohol, there's no evil, there's no wickedness. And we're going to have to go to a place where everything is good and grand and everything's spiritual and right in order for us to be blameless when Jesus comes. That's not what he says. He says, when I come in the, to the wicked and I come into the generation, friend, of those that are just a sinful, but you that are lights and you that are Christian, you are to be blameless. Amen. And so that's what we're looking for. When Jesus comes, not only is that our, is our expectation, but our ambition is when he comes, we're blameless. Another verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found of him in peace and without spot and blameless. 2 Peter 3, 14, he's talking about the burning, talking about the fire that's going to come from heaven, talking about all, even the elements that burn. And he's talking about when that time comes, what are you supposed to be doing? And that time comes, we are to be spotless and blameless before the Lord. Amen. That's our ambition. Our ambition is to be tonight blameless. And do you know why that we can have this ambition? You know why that you and I tonight uh, has this mindset that we want to be right with God. We want to be blameless. Uh, we want to be without spot. I tell you why, because of Jesus, that's why. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with all the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Listen to this not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. You see, tonight it ought to be the ambition of the Christian because it was the very desire and the delight of Jesus that we would be pure, clean, and healthy at his coming. Amen? It ought to encourage us tonight that, you know, it doesn't matter who's watching it doesn't matter what camera we're on. It doesn't matter who knows what tonight. It just matters he's coming. That's my expectation. And the ambition of his coming is when he comes, I'm blameless. Amen? That's the mind of a Christian tonight. And if that's the mind of the Christian, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. It don't matter what's going on above us or, or within us tonight. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters except Jesus is coming. And when he comes, I want to be blameless. Amen? So we find in this scripture, verse 23, the ambition. We find also the expectation. And then thirdly, I notice the anticipation of the Christian. The anticipation. He says there in that verse, he says, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. That word holy there, it means to be absolutely perfect. That's the anticipation of us, is that someday, one day, we'll be absolutely perfect. You see, that's the anticipation of today. Today, I want to be perfect. Do you? I, every day of our lives, we are to get up and we are to put on our armor and we are to go forth and say, Jesus, you might be coming today. And if you come today, I want to be blameless. But at the same time, I want to be absolutely perfect. That ought to be the mindset. And you say, well, brother, that's not going to happen regardless if it's going to happen or not. It's the very anticipation. If you don't anticipate you being perfect tonight, and not just a little perfect, but absolutely perfect, then there will be no way you will be. If you don't have a, a you know, have some target to hit, friend, you'll never hit it, amen? And so today, we are to say, okay, Lord, today I'm just going to be absolutely perfect. 
You say, well, brother, that kind of sounds funny, don't it? Well, it may sound funny to the lost. It may sound funny to the world. It may sound funny to those who don't understand what we're preaching tonight. But to those that are Christian tonight, it's evidently exactly what we are to be looking at. Because tonight when we get up and say, you know, I'm just a sinner and I'm saved by grace and I'm just going to fall and I got my problems and I got my issues and you know what, I'm just a big hot mess and, and uh, you know what, I, you know, I'm not even going to try anymore. I'm just going to be myself. I'm just going to let my hair hang out. I'm just going to enjoy life. I'm going to stop trying to be so strict and so stiff and, and I'm just going to, you know, kind of just get a little loosey and goosey and. You know, hey, then that's exactly what you're going to do for that day. You'll be loosey and goosey. You'll be shaking and baking. Right? That's right. I mean, that's just how it works, man. You'll you do all kinds of things that you never thought you'd do. But when the mindset is set forth, my anticipation for this day is to be absolutely perfect. And that's what the word here says. It says that the very God of peace will sanctify. The word sanctify means to set you apart. So that you can be absolutely perfect. It means tonight that word holy there, not absolutely perfect, but it means complete to the end. So one day, if not today, that he's going to set us apart and he's going to work on us to be complete to the end. And so we find tonight that word also means complete in all respects. Now you say, you'll say, well, listen, brother, that's too much pressure on me. That's too much I mean, you, you, you're telling me tonight that, that I have to be. I'm not telling you you have to be anything. I'm talking about anticipation. I'm talking about that ought to be what you anticipate. Look in Matthew. Don't look there, but I tell you, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 says this. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. What are you going to do with that verse? Jesus has given you a command. Now it's no longer a pressure on you. It's a requirement. And so we find tonight also in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 and 13. We read it the other night talking about being having a pastor. It says, for the perfecting of the saints of the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So Jesus gives you a pastor so that you can be perfected. And then he goes on and says in verse 13, till... We all come into the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so now we have, God has set forth so much into our lives that we are to be absolutely perfect. That not only does he tell you to be that, but then he gives you a pastor so that he can bring you to that place till all of the church becomes a perfect man. To the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. And then in Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 says this. Whom we preach warning every man. Teaching every man in all wisdom. That they may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Paul said everyone that I lead to Christ. Every church I ever start. And every bishop I ever ordain. Is for one person. Is for one reason. That every single one becomes perfect in Christ Jesus. We find in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 17. That great verse in 2 Timothy verse 16. You remember that verse? For all scripture is inspired. After that verse we find verse 17. It says that the man of God, the woman of God, the people of God may be what? Perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. So God gives us a word, and that word to extent is what? To make us perfect. God gives us a command to us be perfect. God gives us to play the way of, of preachers or pastors so that we become perfect. And God sends out missionaries and evangelists and churches so they become perfect. The bottom line is tonight that the Lord God is sanctify you holy. Holy tonight is not only to be absolutely perfect, but secondly tonight, I'm talking about our, our anticipation, is to be completely preserved. Look there in that verse 23. He says preserved. See that? It says your, 
whole spirit, your soul, your body be preserved. Blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Expectation we find there. We find ambition, blameless, and we find anticipation. And now tonight we find the word preserved. The word preserved means to take care of or to guard or to keep or reserve. Now what God is saying to us tonight is this. Is I want to set you apart. And I want you to be absolutely holy. And I'm going to take the spirit, the soul, and the body. And I'm going to preserve that. So that you can be preserved blameless. The coming of myself. Now the, the spirit tonight when he says your whole spirit. He's talking about the entire spirit. Now spirit tonight. Our spirit. The spirit of God tonight. Would mean life. Right? When we were, when we were born. We were born spiritually dead. When the spirit of God came into our lives. Called being born again. That were born of the flesh. And born of the spirit. And were born of the spirit. So now we have come alive. And now we have life. We have a spiritual life. In that spiritual life, we can worship God in spirit and in truth. We have eternal life because of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God brought life into us. We have abundant life. We can live on this side tonight in the way of peace and prosperity and joy, living unto God. Amen? And so we have life. It's God's life in us, and it came through the Spirit tonight and so that spirit that spirit of ours that was dead but now alive because of the holy spirit god is saying i want to preserve that spirit blameless all right i want to regard it i'm going to i want to keep it i'm going to take care of it i'm going to preserve it amen hallelujah thank you lord for that that my spirit is in his hands when I got saved and born again, I gave him my spirit. My spirit belongs to you, Lord. You made my spirit alive by your spirit, and now you own it. Then he goes on to say, not only the whole spirit, but your whole soul. Your soul tonight is your being. The soul tonight is the seat of affections. All the affections you have, all the emotions you have, all the feelings you have, that's that's where it comes from as your soul. When somebody says that you're, you know, that you, you kind of, you cry or, or, or you, you're giving or you're kind or you're sweet or you're gentle. Uh, or on the other side, you're mean, you're ugly, you're bitter. You're, this, they're describing your soul. They're describing who you are. The soul tonight is a seat of affection. But the soul is also the seat of appetites. What you crave, what you lust, what you, what you desire tonight is your soul. Not your spirit, but your soul tonight. The seed of affections, the seed of appetites, the seed of attractions. What are you attracted to? That's who you are. What is it that interests you? What brings entertainment to you? Uh, what causes pleasures for you? What brings you to the place of being attracted to why are you attracted to these things? What, what makes you have this, this connection with that tonight? Is your soul. It all identifies and manifests. And so we can know what kind of person you are by your affections, by your appetites, and your attractions tonight. I could sit down and ask you what those three things are in your life, and I can tell you if you're a Christian or not. Tonight the Bible says that I'm going to preserve I'm going to take care of, I'm going to hold, I'm going to keep, and I'm going to reserve your whole soul. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank God. The only part of me tonight that will never die is my soul. Tonight is what had to be saved tonight, not my spirit, my soul. And tonight it's what had to be saved was my appetites, my affections. Uh, tonight, my attractions, those are the things that need to be saved. My will, my intellect. Tonight, uh, the, very, the very heart tonight needed to be born again. 
And the Lord Jesus uh, says tonight that he'll set apart to you be absolutely perfect with your whole spirit, your whole soul, and then he says your whole body. Here in this scripture tonight, the body would be your tent. The tent tonight is how you feel. Not how you feel with your heart, but how you feel with your hands. What you see. What you hear. What you taste. That's all body. Has nothing to do with your spirit. Has nothing to do with your soul. It's a body. All right? And so your body is a tent. Your body is a tabernacle. Your body is a covering. A covering over your soul. Your body's dying. Your body's decaying. Your body's being removed. And one day... Your body will be glorified if you're Christian tonight. And we find tonight that Jesus said or God said tonight that I am going to take your body, your soul, and your spirit. And I am going to preserve that. And I'm going to preserve it blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's our expectation. That's our ambition. Right? That is tonight okay with us but then he gives us tonight seven ingredients that we have to keep that we have to have part of our lives in order to get to verse 23 now we like verse 23 and we want verse 23 to be true and if you're a christian it will be true but the seven ingredients will be true too so what is the first ingredient the first ingredient is rejoice evermore amen I hope everybody's memorized that already tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Right? So tonight, we've learned a verse. We've said a verse. And we're fixing to find out how to get to verse 23 and have that done in our lives. Now, again, you can't just, do, you can't just have three of the seven. You can't have four of the seven or six of the seven. None of the seven. You're going to have to find in your life tonight all seven of these ingredients in order for you to have just what God has set apart for you, for you holy so that he would present you blameless tonight, amen, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rejoice evermore. That word evermore means always, always, at all times. There's never a time where you can say that there's no rejoicing, all right? I know you're probably saying already there's just no humanly way that that can be. Well, there is a humanly way that it can be. It would never tell you to rejoice evermore when it was impossible to do that, amen? God's not a God to set you up for failure. So rejoice evermore. We just got to learn what that means tonight. And so number one, it means always have gladness. That word rejoice means glad, gladness tonight. Find gladness in it. When somebody brings to you something negative, find gladness in it. When somebody brings something to you that just seems to be awful and ugly and pathetic, find gladness in it. Find it. That's what it means to rejoice evermore. So when they bring the worst when the worst happens to you, you have a, a mother pass, a father pass, a child pass, uh, you lose this or that, you get some sort of disease, you have something go wrong in your life, you lose your job, you get a divorce, uh, whatever's going on, uh, the Lord says rejoice evermore, meaning that whatever it is, whatever situation it find, find gladness in it. Can we do that? That's rejoicing evermore. We don't have to be happy for what happened. We don't have to be wait excited. Amen, hallelujah, glory to God, I got cancer. Oh, man, I got divorced. Hey, praise God, you know. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying tonight, no matter what it is, circumstance, situation, whatever you're faced tonight, find within that situation gladness. Find it. And tonight, that's what it means to rejoice evermore. Always find gladness in the, the very situation. But then be glad about it. 
And what I mean by being glad about it tonight is something happens to you tonight. You say unto the Lord, Lord, I don't want that to happen. I don't feel like that's what needs to happen. I'm uh, I'm just not excited about what's happening, but you're God. And I'm glad that you're God. And I'm glad that whatever took place, it hurts, it's painful, it's not joyful, it's not exciting, but I'm glad that you have allowed it because you're God. See, that's rejoicing evermore. Always tonight, evermore means always, let's keep that in our mind, and it means glad, so always have gladness, find gladness in it, and then be glad about it. Number two, Always have joy. That word, that word rejoice means joy. Always have joy. What do you mean? Well, have joy, uh, offer joy. Offer joy. Somebody comes to you and they say, this happened, this happened, this happened. Look at the situation. Uh, look at the circumstance and offer some joy within that situation. You know, well, you know, you know, somebody passed. Well, you know, God gave them to you for 70 years. Somebody died. Maybe the child died at three years old. Well, you know what? Thank God for your, the child that gave you for three years. You had opportunity to, to teach them and, and love them and care for them and, and uh, find joy. See, so this is rejoice evermore. The word means joy. Find joy. And so many times tonight, we just have a situation that arises, and immediately we get caught up in the emotions of it, and we get caught up into however they are telling us, however they are presenting it, and we're falling right into the trap of just being an emotional wreck instead of rejoicing forevermore to say unto them, unto the situation, that, man, there is joy in every single thing that goes on in life. Right? There is. And who in all the people of the world is going to bring forth or bring out that joy? God's people. Tonight, rejoice evermore. Uh, It just means tonight, always give joy. And how you give joy is offer joy, but then present joy. Present joy. You present joy. You, You be the joy of the no joy. Stop being the negative one. Stop being the, 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 the one who they say, you know what? You're the stick in the mud. You know what? You are the one who brings the darkness to the light. I'm telling you, as soon as you walk in here, there's just a black cloud that covers this place. Stop being that one. Rejoice evermore. Find the joy and then offer the joy, present the joy. And thirdly tonight, always be cheerful. That word rejoice means cheerful, means glad, it means joy, and it means cheerful. Always be cheerful with a gesture, right? I'm just saying always, the law says rejoice evermore, so it's telling us an attitude that we are to betray, and that is with a gesture, tell joy, show joy. You say, well, how do you do that? How about with a smile? How about with that? How about with a, you know, if you're a man, you ought to, uh, you know, you can wink, but sometimes you can wink at a man. Like a guy says, you think you really can do it? You just wink and say, sure, I'll get that done. Lady, wink at a lady. I mean, if you wink at a man, that's kind of flirtation. You know, we don't want that to go on. We're trying to be rejoicing evermore. But I'm just saying by gestures. It might just be a word. It might be just a pat on the back. It may be a hug. It may be, it may be a card. It may be an a ice cream cone from Dairy Queen. You know, the dip cone, large. You know, it may be something like that tonight. A, a gesture. It may be a smile. It may be a word. It may be a touch. It may, it may be a gift. It, it, it may be something tonight of just a... Someone and say, hey, I've been thinking about you. But there's a time and a place for you and I tonight as God's people who God will sanctify. He will put perfectly perfect and he'll preserve us, our soul, our spirit, our body. And when Jesus is coming, we're going to be blameless before him, rejoicing every morning. That's what we need, don't we? 
What do you think our world will be like if we're around people and if you are that people that's rejoicing evermore? You're a fuddy-duddy. You know, you're always negative. You always got something to say about everything. Everything is just, it's just, I hate even talking to you. You discourage me. You just—you make me angry because every time it's just, no, you can't do that. That ain't going to work. That's a dumb thing to do. Nobody likes that. Tonight, we need to get out of that and get to the place tonight where we can rejoice evermore, glad, joy, and cheerful. Amen. We'll move on to the next one. Boy, I got so much time. Number two. Not only rejoice evermore, that's verse 6. Hey, we got that in memorized. First Thessalonians, we want to do a test. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 is what? If you didn't say that, raise your hand. Okay, everybody said it, so we got that memorized. Done. Boom. Bang. Number two, pray without ceasing. Can you memorize that, memorize that one as well? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. We got it, right? Verse 16, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. Verse 17, man, if other people were here tonight, they wouldn't, they're not that smart. They couldn't get it. But we got a smart crowd tonight, amen? All right, pray without ceasing. Remember now that this ingredients, they, they kind of come together, right? And when they come together, verse 23 is the crowning moment. That when Jesus comes, that we'll be preserved blameless, our soul, our spirit, and our, our body, because he's going to sanctify us holy. Ah, it's going to be good. So what does it mean to pray without ceasing? That means, that means tonight that everybody go home, and I don't want to ever see you again because you can't drive praying. You, I don't want you to come out of your house. I want you to stay at your prayer altar at the house. Everybody loses this job. Everybody's marriages fail. Everybody's children leave their parents, and, and is that is that what that means? I mean, everybody, we're all at church we're, tonight. We're going to be coming and praying, and we're going to stay here for all of eternity. And all when they when they come back in in, in twenty years, they're just going to see a bunch of bones at the at the altar. Now that's kind of silly, isn't it? So to think tonight that praying without ceasing is to come to the altar and never get up, go home and pray and never get up, uh, is foolish. So it has to mean something else, right? And some people say, well, it's the attitude of prayer, you know. It's, some people say it's the spirit of prayer, and, and it, it is part of that. But tonight, let's look at it closer. It means tonight to be dependent on God at all times. Because when you're praying... Under the Lord, you're depending upon him. Is that true? That when you come to the Lord, you're saying, Lord, I'm depending upon you for my request, uh, for my intercession of people. Uh, my, my petitions are before you. Or I have no one else to come to. No one who cares about me like you do. And at your ears and your touch with my infirmities. And, and Lord, you're just a friend. You're my God. You're my... You're the Lord, and, and I'm depending upon you. And, and before it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even be breathing. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be living. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have salvation. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have what I have and be what I be. And so I find that depending upon him. So tonight, we can leave out of here tonight, driving our cars, working at work, doing our things at home, and, and raising our children and all those kind of things, depending upon Christ all the time. So that's praying without ceasing. Do you all know that? Just depending upon him. See, some of us tonight, in just that one point, you've been praying without ceasing without knowing you've been praying without ceasing. Because I'm just depending upon him. I'm depending upon him getting me to work. I'm depending on him getting me through work. I'm, get, I'm depending on him to get me home from work. I'm, getting to, I'm depending on that, that I get through the home that I'm at with the people that I'm, at, I'm staying with. And I get depending that I'll have enough money, depending that I have everything it takes in order to fulfill and to satisfy and to make sure all things, this depending upon him. That's praying without ceasing is the depending upon him at 
all times. Pray without ceasing. So there's never a point where there's no dependence. So depending upon him. That's important to me. I, I like that. I like that, that I can pray without ceasing by depending upon him at all times. Number two, that word also means is not to be dependent on God at all times, but to be desiring of God at all times. Because when you're praying unto the Lord, you're desiring God in his presence. You're desiring to come upon in his presence. You're desiring his presence to come upon you. You're desiring that you hear what he has to say and you're desiring that he hears what you have to say and you're desiring that he would do something within your life or he would change something in your life or that he would move in others lives or that he would make some kind of adjustments and and make some kind of movement in our country or or movement in our work or movement in a relationship or movement in our church it all it's all depending upon when we're praying in just a moment you're going to come in desire of God and tonight you can pray without ceasing by desiring God at all times just desire him over everything just want him yeah, I know I need some other things in my life, but he's more important than any of it. Amen. Desiring him. That's, that's praying without ceasing tonight is desiring God at all times. But then thirdly, that word means, it means delighting in God at all times. Delighting in God. Uh, tonight, that's praying without ceasing. There's a portion of prayer that you, that you say things like this, Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, you're great. I come to you, Lord, Father, a most magnificent Father. Glorious Lord. Oh, I exalt you and extol you and magnify your holy name. The precious Lord God, the loving kindness of you, the mercy and grace that you have bestowed, the extension of your love upon me. Delight. Tonight, if we can do at all times and just delight in the Lord, that's praying without ceasing tonight. You see, these two things tonight will lead us to that place of being blameless when the coming of the Lord comes. That we can just be rejoicing evermore. Just find gladness and joy and cheerfulness. Make it spread in our lives. And then tonight, as we go about our lives, being a mother, being a father, being a husband, being a wife, being a teacher, being a worker, being a friend, being a neighbor, being a church member. That tonight we can just go about our lives depending, delighting, and desiring in God. And we've met that. We've met that pray without ceasing. And in the midst of all that, we'll pray tonight. You'll pray in the morning. You might even pray tonight before you go to bed. And then you'll pray more and we'll pray we'll do all the praying that God have to get the gifts but we'll never ever stop being a dependent upon him or desiring of him or delightful of him amen that's what it means tonight in this now this is an attitude of prayer you're living in an attitude it's, it is a spirit of prayer as you depend upon him and you delight in him and you desire of him that is a spirit in a, in a very attitude of prayer because prayer is a connection and as you go out your day, you're connected by the, way of de- by the way of delight and desire and dependence. Prayer is also a connection, but prayer is a communion. Your communion with the Lord. And tonight, you don't have to say anything to pray. You can even thank it. And so it doesn't have to come out of your mouth tonight. It's just in your heart. So tonight, let's not think that only prayer is verbal. That's not the case tonight. And so we also know that prayer is not in the connection and it's communion, but, but prayer is a continuation. And so we find tonight to be very clear. And then thirdly and lastly tonight, we'll just do these three, is the since tomorrow, since Thursday is Thanksgiving, we'll stop on this one. In everything, give thanks. Now it tells you why. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But we just want to deal with, in everything, give thanks. Now, this is the third ingredient tonight to be 
in that place of being sanctified, set apart, holy, completely perfect, and completely tonight, or absolutely perfect and completely preserved for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is tonight that in everything, give thanks. Now, gratitude tonight is obedience, right? Gratitude is obedience. Ingratitude is disobedience. Ingratitude tonight is sin. So what is thankfulness where it says in everything give thanks? It means gratitude. Gratitude is being grateful, right? Being grateful. Tonight, being grateful, number one, for God. That's in everything give thanks. Be grateful for God. Are we thankful for God tonight? So this is part of of the thanks that's going to be required of us. And are we thankful tonight for the church, for the body of Christ? Are we thankful tonight for that? Are we gratitude for that? Being grateful. I'm grateful for the church. Do we say that? Do we express that? Do we... Do we tell us and do we tell others, you know what, I'm grateful for God and I'm grateful for the church. If we don't talk those terms, we need to begin to talk those terms. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for who's in my family. I'm grateful for my mother. I'm grateful for my father. I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my children. I'm grateful for my family. Amen? These are the, these, this means in everything gives thanks. Thanks means grateful. Grateful means being grateful. Amen? Having, having grateful. Gratitude is being grateful. Uh, not only being thank, giving thanks or being grateful for things. For things. It's, it's okay. As a matter of fact, you, it's what you should do. Uh, in everything give thanks. Everything give thanks. Yeah, everything means things. Lord, thank you for my toothbrush. Thank you for my deodorant. Thank you for my uh, my cologne. Right? Thank you for my clothes. Thank you for my glasses. Thank you for my false teeth. Thank you for my hearing aids. Thank you for my toupee. Right? Thank you for my diamonds. Thank you for my gold. Thank you for my pearls. Thank you for my rubies. Thank you for my shoes. Thank you for my couch. Thank you for my pillow. Thank you for my sheets. Thank you for my blanket. Thank you, Lord, for the milk. Thank you for the meat. Thank you for a table to sit at. And thank you for a chair to sit in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, do we even think of these things? I think a multitude of days go by and the Lord says, man, did When's the last time you said thank you for that running water that's coming out of your sink? When's the last time? Huh. You ain't said that in a long time. When's the last time you thanked me for the door you had on your front door? Huh? So in everything give thanks. And so being grateful. So when we use the word we use the word gratitude, which is grateful, it brings it closer, doesn't it? When we say in everything give thanks, we can kind of just Okay, no problem, man. God, I give you thanks for everything. Right? But when you talk about the, in the terms of grateful, it kind of gets on a personal note here. It kind of gets, like, convicting. Like, man, am I grateful? Or am I just expecting? Am I grateful or am I just saying, hey, man, I worked hard. I, I bought those things. I, those things were given to me. I, I've got what I got because... You know, it's just the way that it is. On the other end, that's not part of the ingredients. Part of the ingredients to being where we want to be as expectation, ambition, and uh, as we want to have that anticipation, it's, Lord, I'm grateful for the things, for the family, for the church, for God. And then I'm thankful for the trouble. I'm thankful for the difficulty. I'm thankful for the... You know, the storms that I have to go through, the, 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 the valleys that I have to walk through, the, the darkness that I have to come to. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that too. 
give thanks. Amen. But now it is I see is that that means thank, it means grateful tonight, which is gratitude. But I, I want you to say, I want you to notice tonight that that word giving thanks is gratitude. But it, it also moves down a little bit closer, and it means appreciation. So when you say, in everything give thanks, you're coming to a place where you say, in everything I am appreciated. I appreciate. See, when you say something to somebody like, thank you, or you say to somebody like, I appreciate that. Is, there two different, is that two different things? When you say, I, th- I thank you, is almost like a generic term. Right? Everybody says that. But when you get down and say, I appreciate that, man, it gets a little closer to the heart. And that's what that word thanksgiving means, or thanks means. It means appreciation. And that means being aware. Being aware of that word there, uh, appreciation, thanks. It means there's a value and a worth. In other words, it's like this. When you can be appreciated because of the thankfulness you have uh, that comes out of gratitude, you'll say it like this. I'm aware of the value of God. That's thankfulness. I'm aware of the value or the worth of God. I appreciate that's what appreciation means. I appreciate God because I aware of the value of the worth that He is. I appreciate the church. And I appreciate the church because I am aware of the value and the worth that is to me. I appreciate my family because I'm aware of the worth. And I'm aware of the value of it. I appreciate things because I'm aware of the value and the, and the very worth of those things. I appreciate uh, the troubles, and the difficulties in my life because I'm aware of the worth and the value of those things. Does that make sense? So get in everything, give thanks tonight, brings down from gratitude. It goes down to the place of appreciation and then lastly tonight, that word thanks ends in the word pleased. Pleased. Now you could say, I you could say thank you. You could say, I appreciate that. And that seems to me more endearing. But when you say, I'm pleased, that seals the deal. Right? So this is what this means, and everything give thanks, and everything be satisfied. That's what it means tonight. And everything you got tonight, be satisfied. Be satisfied. Be content. Be satisfied with God. Be satisfied with your church. Be satisfied with your family. Be satisfied with the things you have. Be satisfied with the troubles you got. Because there's a person, a place, or a thing that you are taking for granted. And we do this a lot. A person, a place, or a thing that we take for granted. Because we have not been satisfied or content with. And the things that we are not satisfied and content with we take for granted. I'm telling you, there's somebody out there that what you take for granted, they're praying for to get. The things that we say, the people, the places that we take for granted, somebody's out there praying, God, would you give me that? The things that we take for granted. That's convicting tonight. And everything give thanks. And everything be satisfied. Be satisfied with your husband. Be satisfied with your wife. Be satisfied with what, what you're driving. Be satisfied with the clothing. Be satisfied with your housing. Be satisfied with your job. Be satisfied with the church you're in. Be satisfied with all that you've got tonight. You say it's not much, Brother Larry. It's okay. don't have to be much. Because we're not looking for much. We're looking for the seven ingredients that will get us to verse 23. That one day we can be blameless and preserved. Our whole spirit, our whole soul, and our whole body 
when Jesus comes. God, help me to be. Verse 16 is what? Rejoice evermore. Verse 17. And then verse 18. And everything give thanks. Amen. If we can just kind of put all that together tonight and say, you know, I'm almost halfway there. I think I'm going to reach it. Don't y'all read the rest. And on Sunday night, we'll, we'll preach the rest of that. And so that we can understand it more clearly. I'm encouraged tonight. I'm encouraged tonight that I can get there. I can get there. Can you? Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Oh, how we thank the Lord tonight. We thank the Lord for his goodness, for his grace, for his mercy. The anticipation, the, am, the ambition, and the expectation. I tell you what, I'm really going to eat some turkey now. That old dressing's going to go down good. That old pecan pie. That old time with my family. And, you know, tonight I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I got hope tonight. I got hope. I got hope tonight, not that Jesus is coming. I know he's coming. But, man, I sure want to be blameless when he comes. I got hope now. I got some things I can look into and I can, I can just do. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In all things, give thanks. I pray tonight that's your heart. That's your desire. All right. Let's, uh, let's take some prayer requests tonight.